the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today. We are together each and every day from 3 to 5 right here. Uh, And it's always a pleasure to be with you, whether you're in your cars or you're at home or you're uh, having your lunch in the shower, as uh, somebody said recently. And uh, anyway, it's good to be with you. And what we do on our program is we talk about issues of the day from a Christian perspective. One of the things that is obviously a big deal, 2024 being an election year. And what does your vote mean? You know, it's always every year since I've been alive, it's the most important election. But this one might be this one might be, and we have seen, we've seen so much going on in the world, and we have seen the rise of anti-Semitism in tremendous ways that we have talked about so much here, and that indicates much, much deeper problems. What is the church to do? With me to talk about it is Eric Metaxas. He's the number one New York Times bestselling author of Letter to the American Church, and uh, he's the host of the Eric Metaxas Show, a nationally syndicated daily radio show heard on over 300 outlets and on TV. On TBN, he lives in New York City with his wife and daughter, and he's with us right now on the Pastor Scott Show. Eric, welcome back to the Pastor Scott Show. Glad to be with you, man. This is uh, it's a blessing. Thank you. Great to be with you. And uh, we were together in person last year at the Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile event here in Los Angeles. And uh, we had such a good time. I don't know if you know this, but uh, I uh, after you had to leave, uh, people were still waiting to get books signed. And uh, I signed books on your behalf. So there are some with. uh, (laughs) I never leave until people are are done signing books. So I don't I don't know, maybe those people that showed up after I left, but that's kind of funny because I always say, I'll just be here until people are done. You know? Well, and, and you did, so. but they were inside the sanctuary talking to whomever. Most people were gone. Everything was kind of packed up. And then all of a sudden there were still people waiting. Did he leave? Yeah, he left, but I can sign it. I know who he is. And, Why not? And, Why not? And I, and I, I deputized that. you. Yeah, well, thank I, you very much. I signed a few checks well, also, so I don't know what happened. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be, uh, what, today did it? Th- Wednesday the 31st, so that's like tomorrow or whatever it is, I'm going to be at Rob McCoy's church uh, in uh, Thousand Oaks, California, not too far from you, uh, probably signing books and stuff. But we're doing a lot of screenings of the of the, uh, the, the, the film Letter to the American Church, which I know you're going to ask me about. I'm jumping the gun, but I wrote a book called Letter to the American Church about how the church needs to wake up and get activated and put our faith into action. But some amazing people from that church um, they, they said, we need to make a documentary film. And these are, mm. you know, Hollywood filmmakers. They know what they're doing. So, uh, the first screening is going to be at, at Rob McCoy's, uh, church. Of course, it's the Lord's church It's called God speak, but up in thousand, uh, Oaks, California. And I'm excited. This is, this is God's message. It's not my message. Let's put it that way. That's important. And this is coming up on Wednesday. So we definitely want to get into that. You know, I want to talk about what this subject is letter to the American church. If you haven't read the book, um, you know, we were, we're joking about this book, but in the book you talk about, and I want you to explain this a little bit, how the, yeah. you compare the church today with the German church uh, during the rise of Hitler and the Nazis. 
And There's zero doubt about it. If people haven't gotten this memo, there, there is nothing more important right now. If you care about the world, you need to care about America because the Lord has ordained this nation to be the leading nation, the leading voice for freedom uh, in the world. So you got to care about America. And if you care about America, you've got to care about the American church. As America goes, so goes the world. As the American church goes, so goes America. And we're living at a time exactly like Germany in the 1930s, where there are a lot of Christians and Christian leaders and pastors that say, you know what? We just want to do church. We just want to be theological. We just want to preach the gospel. We don't want to be active politically or or get involved in in fighting against evil. We just want to do church. That's exactly what many in the German church did. And their inactivity, their inability to live out their faith, they just had it in their head. They didn't live it out. You know, that opened the door to satanic evil. And that is exactly what we're seeing now. When you see the things happening, and this is just the beginning of what's going to happen if the church does not wake up and speak up and stand up and fight, um, we're going to see more and more evil. And I really believe that the Lord has allowed these horrible things to happen in the last three years in particular to wake up those who might still be awakened. There are people that are still not, you know, they're still sitting on the fence. And I want to be clear, the devil owns the fence. You think you're safe. You're not safe. You are working with the devil for his purposes. If your church is not speaking out against all this stuff and is not actively encouraging uh, congregants to get get active in their faith and live out their faith and stand against evil. It's no different than going to a German church in the 30s that basically said, we're just going to do church. We don't care about the Jews going to buy in boxcars to Auschwitz. So you were just going to we're just going to do church. We're going to worry about our souls. Well, if you're really worried about your souls, you get out of that church and speak out for the Jews. That's what Bonhoeffer said. And that's why I wrote a book about Bonhoeffer. Uh, and this book really makes the connection. That's what God is saying today. And he gave us the warning of what happened to the church in the, in, in Germany in the 30s for such a time as this. And it's an urgent uh, message. Have you felt like uh, since you wrote the book and then uh, you this has been in the discussion for a lot of people before, and I thought people kind of said, oh, it's sort of like it, sort of not. But I think, and I want to know what you think, did that change? Do you think more people woke up after October 7th? And the idea of anti-Semitism became much bigger and, you know, and educated people and the elite. And, you know, to me, that said so much about where we are right now in comparison to the people who led the Nazis into World War II and supported Hitler ultimately were the elite, the wealthy, the powerful, the smart, the educated. Well, well always, yeah. always. That's that's the case. And And the question is, what voices are you listening to? Look, there are churches... Uh, I'm sorry, there are elite voices in the church today that are singing the opposite song of what I am singing and what I believe the Lord is singing. They are uh, telling people, don't be uh, politically active, just do church. Uh, it's not our job. And I just want to say that's not biblical, folks. That is not biblical. The Lord calls us to speak out against evil, to fight for what is right and good and true. You look at this, the 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 uh, abolitionist movement in America. Mm. That was Bible thumping Christians. That's right. Who because of their faith in Jesus, said we must take a stand against slavery, against pro-slavery candidates. We're going to get politically active. We need to defeat this because this is the Lord's will. The Lord's principles are against chattel slavery. We need to speak up. There were voices in the church then that said, oh, no, 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 don't take sides on that. That's don't right. be political. Just preach the gospel. Just just do your little church thing inside your little church. That's what the devil wants you to do. They have you to guys say, keep your China. side of it over there and we can have our side and everything will be yeah. fine. 
Yeah, no, it's 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 so dark. But the worst thing really is, you know, it's one thing to know that these elite voices are saying these things. But where, you know, do you go to church? People listening to my voice right now, where do you go to church? Do you go to a church that is in the battle or has it said, well, we don't, you know, we, 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 we've got people on both sides here. We don't want to get we don't want to get too political. I had a, a pastor that I have known. I haven't confronted him with this, but I heard him preaching and he said, you know what? He says, we don't need to worry about who the president is because we know who the king is. And I thought, what a horrible religious cliche. It, because you know who the king is should make you care doubly about who the president is because the president who is elected president is going to affect the lives of millions and we are commanded to love our neighbors. And so if you have a vote, if you have a voice politically and you don't exercise it, there are going to be people elected who are going to do evil things. They're going to enact wicked policies that are going to harm people. You need to care. Christian, you need to care. And by the way, most of the world already knows that. And and I think the church is supposed to lead on this. And if we don't lead on this, if we don't get activated politically and in every other way, everything that we think is going to be there is going away. It's already going away. And I think a lot of these wicked things that have happened, including October 7th, the Lord is allowing to wake up those who can still be awakened. It's a horrible thing to see these things, but I think that it's just a foretaste of what is to come if the church does not finally wake up. It is urgent. It's why I want to say to people, go to the website, lettertotheamericanchurch.com. You can do a free screening in your church if you sign up at the website, lettertotheamericanchurch.com. It will be available on Epoch TV. It's E-P-O-C-H, epochtv.com. But this is this is urgent because there's so many still sleeping, so many still attending churches that are doing nothing. And God is a judge. I want to say God is a judge. And if you're going to a church that's doing nothing and you're just giving your tithe and your time and you're not part of the battle, uh, it's like being a German going to one of those churches in the 30s that, you know, the, the, the Jewish people were being targeted for destruction. And so-called Christians said, oh, it's not my job. It is your job. Bonhoeffer said, it's your job. And, you know, we look at at that story and we go, oh, I would have been right there with Bonhoeffer. Well, are you there today? Are you standing against the various kinds of evils? Mm-hmm. And we know what they are. We we won't, don't even have time to, to enumerate them. That's right. Satanic evil in our time, an open border that is just going to erase the United States of America. I mean, it's a preposterous thing. We're supposed to care for the stranger, obviously. But to say that, oh, borders are racist, uh, you know, defund the police, this always harms the, the the very people we're supposed to care about, the disenfranchised, the poor, they're the ones whose lives are destroyed. They're the ones whose cities are destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just one issue, the transgender issue. Anywhere you look, we've seen insanity and evil, and it is the job of the church, of Jesus Christ, to speak up and stand against. It's why I wrote a letter to the American church, and it's why the film was made to get the word out. It could not be more urgent. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show, and my guest is Eric Metaxas. He is the author of Letter to the American Church and a film that's being made uh, from that book. Eric, as you talk about this, that's something that we try to get across on our program all the time. We're in Southern California. Most of the people down here are would put themselves on the liberal side of the political spectrum and all those different issues. However, what we find is exactly what you just said, that so many people who are hurting and suffering, suffering the victims of the crime that we're seeing here in California, that's outrageous. All the stores are closing down. You know, we were talking the other day about how uh, Walmart and Target are locking up the underwear because people are stealing that. You can't even go buy underwear. The uh, Somebody told me today that the Walmart in El Cajon down in San Diego is closing. They're just closing it. And it's a place where people shop who need that. And it's going to be out of the community 
because there is so much theft. We have the transgender issue and the gender issues and the idea of our state suing school districts. The state is suing school districts for passing rules that say you have to let parents know if their child is transitioning, which can include getting medical long, you know, lifelong medical attention, all this kind of stuff. You're not allowed to tell the parents. What we've discovered is, you know, people on the left and right sort of politically don't like any of that. They think it's all evil, that parents ought to know, that we ought to be controlling crime, that the border issues are serious, all those different things. Why do you think we can't realize that these issues that we're talking about, and I think as you've put it, this is where the church needs to be thinking, it's harming people that we are causing and allowing to happen. Bad policies harm people. Christians ought to be at the forefront of this. If you're going to a church that is not active in speaking against this lunacy, I just want to say, folks, you're under judgment. You are under judgment. Your church is under judgment. God has called us to stand against evil. When you see these things happening and you do nothing and you're not at the forefront of speaking against it, what could be more satanic than dividing children from their parents, from saying that the school knows more? You know who the school is? They're the, that's the government. The government knows more than the parents. That is what we're told to swallow. We should be fighting that with everything we have. That's right. And the world will cheer us. The world will say, you know what? If that's what Christianity is, I could get interested in that. That's the kind of you know muscular Christianity. You're actually fighting for my kids and my family. I'm working two jobs and trying to, you know, where is the church? Does the church believe anything? That's what happened in Germany, right? Is that the church had a moment to stand, to live out its faith. Bonhoeffer always called it faith in action. If your faith is not faith in action, the scripture says faith without works is dead. If you're not living out your faith, you're a hypocrite. And God tries and tries and tries to get our attention. He used Bonhoeffer. uh, He's used the prophets. This to me is the message the Lord is speaking to us today. And if you're going to some church that is not on the, on the front lines in this, I would, I would beg you to get out of that church. And, and I'll say it again, letter to the American church.com. You can get a free screening of the documentary for your church. It is a spectacular documentary film. It is, it's going to raise the bar on these kinds of films. It's just brilliantly made. I just wrote the book letter to the American church, but the film is amazing. And I want to say to people, please get activated uh, at the website, letter to the American church.com. There is, there's steps you can take things you can do, how you can get involved, but just spreading the word about the film, because of course the film uh, has all this stuff in it. Cause there are a lot of people that they're just not thinking about this. And I want to say, folks, we've got to think about it. We're called, we're commanded to love our neighbors. And if you in the church are not stepping up and doing what you can, um, you know, you're, you're disobeying God's command. And also there are people who, as I said before, they're attracted to this. There's a lot of pagans, a lot of good people out there. They're just, they're confused when they see the church leading on these issues, these easy issues. These are, these are easy, mm-hmm. you know, dividing kids from their parents. Right. Should Education. we have a border? Should we, uh, should we enforce right. laws? I mean, when you, when you see the church leading on that, there are tons of people that would normally not go to church. They'd be like, you know what? I, I could get in, involved in a church like that. That appeals to me. This is a moment for the American church. I really believe the Lord's will is that we would have revival and reformation. But those, um, you know, who call themselves Christians have to step up. It didn't happen in Germany. I want to be clear. The Lord allows us to do nothing and then judgment comes. He will allow that. But that's not his will. So we need to speak out, step up. Uh, and again, we made mm-hmm. the film to try to wake people up, letter to the American church.com. You can find out how to get a free screening at your church or, or all kinds of other stuff. But th- th- there's an urgency 
uh, to what I'm saying that it's inescapable. You know, you said before, is this the last election? If we do not restore America now, America's gone. Like you can have elections. They're not going to matter. Just like they didn't used to matter in the Soviet Union. I mean, you know, you can go and pull a lever, but like you're not really getting to choose. We are at that point. We have such corruption in our political system. If Christians do not get involved, uh, we will reap what we have sown. It's simply a fact. And it's the Lord trying to wake up his people. One of the things that is so easy, you know, we I don't uh, we don't like uh, the mail ballots and all the possible uh, problems with all of those. However, here in California, we do have them and there's no excuse not to vote. And yet 75, 70 percent of people don't vote in the primaries, probably won't vote in our March 5th primary. That includes church people. And in a general election, even a presidential year, at least half are not going to vote at all. You know, not to mention just president. I, but I mean, everybody I'm you, on the God is a judge. He will judge you yeah. because the people that are elected, if you do nothing and wicked people are elected who enact wicked, anti-Christian, anti-American policies, anti-human policies, policies that harm people, mm-hmm. you are guilty because you said, oh, it's not my job. It is your job. You get to live in a free country. Uh, most people around the world would dream of living here, would That's love right. to live here. And so why the church ought here. to be leading this. Yes, of yeah. course they are. Sure. Yeah. The, uh, you know, in a lot of churches, uh, you know, as a pastor for 25 years, something that hit me a few years ago is I was entangled in, you know, a lot of internal church baseball, a whole lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, it's, it's people dispute who actually said it, but the idea of the only thing necessary for evil to triumph, uh, is for the good people to be silent. And I, that convicted me a lot. It's like, I am so busy doing other things that I'm silent on the things that matter the most. Yeah, it it changed me a lot. And I think in a lot of our yeah. churches, there is so much inside baseball going on that we have yeah. forgotten the not just the mission of discipleship, but the greater things that we can yes. do in our community to protect the people it's, who are harmed by bad policies. It's kind of funny. I was on the receiving end of some of this recently. I had somebody on my radio program um, uh, and my website is ericmetaxas.com. But I had somebody in my radio program and he doesn't believe in the pre-trib rapture, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't really have a, a view. Like, you know, most of the people that I follow probably do believe in it. Or I don't really, what's that? You're a heretic, heretic. You know, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure, right? right. I'm, not, I'm not sure. Right. But he was making a point on my program, and I was agreeing with the point that a lot of times people who have that view, and again, some of my best friends have that view, and I don't even, I don't even disagree with that view, but what it can lead to, every good thing can lead to something bad. And so some people say, like, well, you know what? It's all going to burn. We're going to be raptured out of here. We don't need to care about this world. Mm. And obviously, uh, you know, my 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 heroes, like Pastor Jack Hibbs, he has a pre-trib view, but he, he doesn't believe that we're not supposed to do anything. But I was talking about how there are people, they have this kind of like sort of religious, overly religious in the negative sense view, like, you know, it doesn't matter. The church will be raptured out of here. And uh, so I don't need to care about this world. And I was not really making a point about my eschatology, but I was making the point that there are people who have that view who use it as an excuse. Again, most of my friends don't, but there are people who use it as an excuse to do nothing and to say it's not the church's job to care about this world. Folks, that is not biblical. That is not biblical. Whatever your view of the end times is, you are supposed to be doing what God calls you to do, loving your neighbor right now. Mm-hmm. And what and, did you do for the least of these? In every way you yeah. can, politically is at the heart of it. We're not supposed to make an idol of politics, but to say you're not supposed to be involved in politics. William Wilberforce was a politician. He abolished the slave trade in the British Empire, touching millions and millions and millions of lives because he yeah. was active politically because of his faith in Jesus Christ. 
And I want to be real clear about that, folks. We have gotten this wrong in America. It's why I wrote the book letter to the American church, because I started thinking like, what is the point of people having all these Bible studies if they're not living their faith? If you're not living it out, if you're just talking about it, it's pretty useless. Uh, you've got to live it out. Yeah. That's scriptural. That's biblical. Eric. And we have missed that. And so that's why I wrote the book, Letter to the American Church. And that's why we made the film, Letter to the American Church. Eric, I really appreciate you being with me. We can go on about this and maybe we'll have you on again this year because there is so much at stake right now. And yeah. I hope that what people hear is that, you know, we're talking about the end times. You know, when Jesus says, what did you do for the least of these? Maybe part of that is vote. You know, did you care about the policies that are impacting that is people's the least lives? We can like do. it's so and easy to get it in the mail and spend some time and do that and think about policies. Eric, uh, give us the website once again for the film. You'll be letter out here to the uh, Wednesday. dot com. Letter to the American Church dot com. All right, Eric Metaxas, thanks for being with us on the Pastor Scott God Show. Bless today. You, man. Thank you. God bless you. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Scott Furrow with you. We are talking about the issues of the day that your vote affects. And for, I think for anybody, but for Christians, you know, is this something that has a deeper spiritual significance. You know, when when we whenever we talk about Jesus saying to us at the end of our lives, you know, when we go meet him, you know, what did you do for the least of these, right? I think that we usually are thinking about did I give to the poor? Was I serving the poor? Did I, you know, what kinds of things did I do, you know, missionally? And I think that matters for sure. But I think that speaking out against evil and all those things, I think it's a it's a part of it. And, you know, if you're wondering what does your vote do coming up here that would make an impact, you know, one of the things that just has to happen is the train has to get turned around, right? You aren't going to vote a certain way this one election and everything suddenly is fixed. And then two years later, gosh, we don't have these issues. There's a long way to go. Let's talk about schools for a minute here in uh, California, although it's it's the same thing everywhere. The L.A. Times today had an article about Porter Ranch Community School. And uh, Porter Ranch Community School has a rare problem, they say, and that it's the only one in the school district that is actually overcrowded. Did you know that? I was actually surprised to hear that. But as I go through the article, it turns out LAUSD is closing campuses that most of them aren't doing too well. And that's because people are fleeing California for good reason. It's also because people are leaving and taking their kids out into homeschool or into private schools. And uh, and I don't blame you at all. That's what I'm doing. And, you know, when you take a look at what's happening in the schools and you take a look at where your kids are, it's not hard to make a decision that says, I got to get my kids out of this school district or I've got to move to another state so I can afford to live there or whatever the reason is. Well, the, the Porter Ranch School is a brand new school that was built in a community that was growing. And so a lot of people moved up there and the campus became overcrowded. But one of the things that's happening now is LA Unified wants to reduce the attendance in the Porter Ranch Community School. Uh, and send kids to other communities to go to school. And that's an understandable you know, thing that they're going to have to do. But the parents are upset. And I think you would. You know, if you move to that community and you become part of a school and you see that school is as good, you want to stay there. And there's a whole lot in the article about, you know, the 
the environment and the family environment and you go to the store and you see people you know and your kids have people around. They go to the same school. I get all that. It's all good. Um, but something deep down in the article, it started talking about the problem of if my kid is taken out of that school and put into another school that's down the mountain in Chatsworth, then it's an older campus. It's farther away and it doesn't perform as well. Okay, so you start getting into all of those kinds of issues. I found this to be pretty interesting. So so listen to this. Um, many parents see Chatsworth High as a poor fit moving from Porter Ranch and question the academic rigor. About 40% of Chatsworth High students met or exceed state standards in English, language, arts, and literacy, and about 23% in math. So in that school, only 40% are meeting or exceeding state standards in English, arts, and literature. 40%, you know, read 60% are not. 60% of the kids are behind. And in math, it's, it is 77% of the kids are behind in the Chatsworth School. Now, they compared it with the Porter Ranch School, and the numbers of Porter Ranch School were 77% of students met or exceeded standards in English and 69% in math, which, by the way, is still 23% not meeting those standards. I think that number is still lousy. And uh, 69% in math, so 31% not meeting. You know, obviously much better, those numbers, but, you know, that's the, that's the qualification now for a good school. You ever uh, look for you're looking to buy a house, you're looking to move into a new neighborhood and you go to one of those websites that does all the real estate and everything and you scroll down and it has, you know, is it walkable? How close am I to the stores if I live here? And it'll give a score of the school. You know, what is the impression that the people have of the school? Is it a good school or bad school? You know, most people kind of think the school in their neighborhood is a good school. And, uh, you know, but even if your scores are better than everybody else, that doesn't mean that it's the best it can be. I just feel like it could do better, right? I think that we can do better in our schools. But you can see what's happening with these parents is they got their kids in a school where their kids are learning a lot more. There's a lot of factors, okay? there's uh, These are wealthier people. They may have, uh, you know, the ability to have tutors and there's other stuff going on that's, uh, you know, parents might be home more there's or less. I don't know what the deal is there. There's, there's things, right? Um, but this is what they said. Sheena uh, Thacker said in the article, you know, why would you go to Chatsworth? Our median home price over here in Porter Ranch is like 1.2 million, right? So our taxes are that high. What do we pay our taxes for so that we have great a great community school to come to? Now, listen, that argument makes all kinds of sense because that's how our system works, right? You're going to have, you know, maybe some better schools in wealthier neighborhoods because the property taxes are what pays for those. I think that's a terrible system, by the way. You know, just to to make that really clear, think about this. Now, these systems are put together by politicians who we vote for, okay? Issues of test scores and issues of curriculum and teacher training, all that, that's done by school boards and by people who are local. There are so many things that affect all of this, all right? And at Porter Ranch, here's what it says, 18% of, and this is the wealth issue, 18% of students qualify for a free and reduced price lunch. Uh, at Chatsworth, 68.5%, and at LA Unified overall, the figure is 81%. So that tells you right there a whole lot of difference between uh, rich and poor. Let me tell you something. Should we be tying our school, our education system, to the wealth of the people who are living around that school? If you want to solve much of the poverty that we have, generational poverty, people who are behind, you know, the way to do that 
is by education. And that helps everybody, by the way. It helps on resources. You know, there are tax resources. They go to police. They go to, you know, fire. They go to roads. They go to so many different things. And your your tax money, your property tax money, your local tax money, it goes to all kinds of things outside of your neighborhood already anyway. And I'm not saying you should reduce the quality of a port rent school. I think that if we had a better grip on what would really help people in our state, if we really help people, really help kids – we wouldn't mind – we could restructure this in a way. There's tons of money, by the way. California – I mean, there's tons of money. I say that. We have tremendous debt in California. California is in a lot of trouble. But if you just took the money that we spend on schools and you say, you know, we could allocate this away from a lot of the administrative costs that we didn't even have a few years ago and nobody knows why we have now. And have an attitude that says this school in this particular community is underperforming. Can we go in there and do something to change that? Because it impacts things later. I believe that would be better. See, your voting, though, has to do with that because there are plenty of people out there who would think that way or think differently. There might be some people with a great solution out there. But what we tend to do with our voting is we keep voting for the same people, right? They might have a different face and a different name on the ballot, but they have the same philosophy, And when we see something failing, and especially when we're talking about failing kids, and then we see that there are other agendas, you know, agendas that are not about math and science and reading and writing, then you really have to ask, are we actually interested in what's best for the schools and best for the kids? Are we really a people who understands that we really want to deal with these subjects? See, education is everything for people. Being able to read and write at an adult level and getting there, you know, whatever that is, okay? You know, I'm, I'm 52, but I read at a 53-year-old level. Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? But you don't want to be, you know, 35 and you read at a sixth grade level. And some of you listening, that's kind of where you're at or that's where your kids are going, right? That's, that is what the schools are, are in large percentages putting out. This is just something that is a fact. Being able to read and write at an adult level means you will always be employable. Now, there are other things that can make you unemployable. Your attitude, personal problems and addictions, there are things, okay? But otherwise, if you just learn to read at a normative level and you can write with comprehension and clarity at a normative level, you don't have to be T.S. Eliot. You know, you don't have to be Thomas Jefferson. You don't have to be somebody who's just writing the most brilliant stuff out there. I have no idea why I said T.S. Eliot. I couldn't quote you a thing that he had to say. Um, but if you can just do that, you know what you have is you have opportunities to, to succeed and you'll be able to compete. And there's always competition. We try to say it's not competition. No, there's always competition, but you'll be able to be there. And some people do better. Some people will not. And you want to find the place where you're really good at it. And you want to find places where you're not so good and avoid those areas. But if you don't have the basic skills and what I'm saying, I, I don't even want to personalize it to you. If we're not teaching that to our kids, how do we expect our cities to do better? How do we expect our schools to do better? How do we expect our entire country to do better? You know, we're in competition with the world when it comes to trade, when it comes to building products. All that translates, by the way, into jobs and food on the table and healthcare. All of those things fit into it. And our country is a lot smaller than some of the countries, a couple of them that we are participating with. You know, India India has more honor students than we have students. Did you know that? Like, that's how big that country is. And they have more honor students than we have all students altogether. 
And we need to think about that when it comes to trade and jobs and, and not to put India down. Good for them. They're working really hard there. hundred percent fluent in English, by the way, that crowd of kids over there. Good for them. It's building that country. They've got a lot of problems uh, internally with a whole lot of different stuff. All right. But the education is going to help them in the world stage for sure. And if we don't see it that way, it's going to affect food on the table, food for our kids, poverty, generational poverty. Do you realize that? It really does. When we come back, I'll play a couple of clips from a school board here uh, uh, in the U.S. That's a typical thing that's happening at school boards, even in a state that is below average. And what kinds of things are going on? And this is why we have to pay attention and not just sort of wring our hands. You get to vote. And if we start voting for people who care about the right things and care about education, care about the kids in ways that actually impact, it's going to make a difference. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Give me a call if you want to join the conversation right now, 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can follow us right now on socials, Facebook, X, Twitter, TikTok, all of them, at Pastor Scott Show. Look us up now and follow us at Pastor Scott Show. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. So my point would be that we never notify a parent on these issues unless the child's life is in danger. And then I think we have to err on the side of implied consent, that if we need to, we have to. You know, if I know this student truly is going to be is suicidal, they've attempted, yeah, I'm going to notify the parents. Actually, you're, you're not no, probably notifying anybody. The hospital and the emergency services are going to handle all of that. But I, I don't think we should notify parents on many issues that we notify parents on. That is a school board member at a school board in Rhode Island. And I play, I know that's far away, but this is something that is everywhere. Do you notice the thing that she said here at the end? Listen to this. I don't think we should notify parents on many issues that we notify parents on. On many issues. So the conversation was the gender-related thing and why, and there's a whole thing about why you don't tell the parents if a child wants to transition or any of that stuff. And and she was advocating for why she's against all of that. And the thing is, as earlier, if we have time, I want to get to your calls, but uh, I've got the clip where she says, oh, they're, they're going to kill themselves if you uh, tell the parents. Uh, but then the interesting thing is then she turns around and says, but if they're suicidal, you should tell the parents. Well, wait a minute. You just said they are suicidal, so don't tell the parents or they'll do it. And now you're saying – but anyway, it gets down that in the, the conversation about uh, gender. But the thing that she says at the end is the thing that I think people really need to hear also right now. I don't think we should notify parents on many issues that we notify parents on. She doesn't think we should notify parents on many issues. And that's something that we're hearing across the country. What kinds of issues is she talking about? Other health care issues? Would you like to know if your child is smoking or vaping? Would you like to know if your child is pregnant? Would you like to know if they got somebody pregnant? Would you like to know if if they're having any other medical procedures? Would you like to know if they're participating in some white supremacy group? Would you like to know if they're participating in, you know, something else that might be dangerous in some way? Nope. Apparently, according to her, lots of things are not the parents' business. See, I don't think most people agree with that. I think most parents think it's all their business. 
and it's up to them to decide what to teach the child and how to deal with their child. And I realize a lot of parents aren't, and that's some of the problem. And it contributes. It contributes to a lot of the difficulty. But see, this is not just about one thing. And when we're talking about voting and we're talking about our schools, if you want to protect our kids and you should stand up for evil against kids, it's it's this. It's right here. This is for real what is happening to our kids. Kids do stupid things sometimes because they don't know better. And sometimes they do stupid things because they get attention, which is what a lot of this stuff is. It's attention. Suddenly I'm a celebrity. Oh, I'm non-binary or I'm a cat now. And suddenly every, I get all kinds of attention and I'm popular. Um and, you know, it's it probably is something you grow out of. You know, when I was growing up, there was this whole goth thing, right? You dress in black and you put on a dog collar and you do whatever. But you didn't go get canine uh, shots and you didn't uh, alter the shape of your legs so that you could walk like a dog more properly. You didn't do any of that. You grew out of it. And now you look back and you go, I wish I was wearing something different in my class picture. Right. But you got over it there. This is a serious. We, and we didn't encourage kids to uh, to do that. We just said, oh, I'll grow out of it. Sheila in Orange County, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, thank you. I love your show. I listen every time I'm in my car. Oh, thank you. I hope you spend a lot of time in your car between 3 and 5. I... I I do. I'm more like a a chauffeur for my kids, yes. Oh, yeah, perfect. Um, I loved uh, the conversation you had mentioned earlier. And, um, you know, we've had our kids in public school in Orange County... For a very long time, they're considered, you know, the best of public schools um, and, and primarily a pretty conservative area. But a lot has changed and we finally have decided we're going private. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, and I and th- there's so many reasons why, which you we're kind of talking about right now, the whole Privacy Act and not telling the parents. And a couple of times I actually went to the school and I was asking, like, why, why are you guys mentioning certain things to our kids about, well, don't, if you decide to, for example, change your sex, you're safe here. I said, because that isn't that, is this something you guys are promoting? And they said, no, we're not. But it's really about the teachers. And it's something that maybe they've discussed, but we're not pushing that. And I said, okay, well, thank you for that. But it was time to obviously move on. But the one before you had mentioned the, the kids in India, and I try not to get too, um, you know, I need to trust the system here, but it's hard to. So we find educational-wise, are they deliberately trying to dumb down the kids? Like, I don't feel it's the kids. I feel like some of the curriculum they're throwing out there doesn't even make logical sense. A lot of our parents were talking and were like, why are they assigning this? Or why are they doing that? And it just seems like even pre-COVID, the education here compared to, let's say, India, uh, Iran, Africa, it wasn't as strong. So I'm almost wondering, is this like, and I don't want to get conspiracy theories, but are they trying to uneducate the kids so they're raising them more like, you can graduate and go work for a company. You can graduate and go work for these people. I don't feel like they're wanting them to be wealthy entrepreneurs. 
Well, I think, you know, I think without getting into conspiracy theories, there's definitely agendas, right? What we just played is an agenda. And, you know, I looked up Rhode Island schools just because I want to, and they're terrible, right? It's like nobody can read in your state. And yet what you're focused on is not, you know, uh, this is what you're focused on. There are, and these are kind of your liberal blue state things. There are red state things where the, what the school boards are focused on are other things that still aren't education, right? right? And And I would argue that, that it is something that we need to do for our children of all ages and whatever their background is, is to educate them because it's how you live your life. It's because it's how you build a country. So that's what they're doing in a lot of these other countries is they look at us and they go, you guys are in trouble, you know, economically because you're not educating your kids. Now we have a lot of educated kids, right? The, the, whatever the percentage is, the 40% at that school I mentioned at Chatsworth that is proficient, those kids are going to be fine. Right. Right. And I just went to, I mentioned yesterday, my kids, uh, my older son's in one of those robotics groups and I, the room's packed full of kids. Probably all those right. kids are studying, they're learning they're, and they're from all over the world, by the way. It's a, uh, you know, right. those kids have and a lot of them didn't speak English. In fact, the funny thing is that there was one team that was entirely speaking Chinese uh, that my mm-hmm. son was playing against, and one of the people on our team was Chinese, and they were like cussing us out and making fun of us the whole time. And of course, James doesn't know Chinese; he doesn't know, but her, our team num- number member does, and he responded right. back, and it was hilarious, right? But you, not funny that they were doing that, but they thought they couldn't be heard. But there's multiple languages and stuff going on in there. But all of these kids, whatever their background is, they are learning for the world it is today. And I guess the contention that I have here, and this is why we should pay attention and vote, is our school systems, whatever yeah. the reason, whether there's some conspiracy or whether it's just, you know, we're we're lazy. You can you can come up with a bunch right. of reasons, but whatever the reason, we're not doing what's right for our kids and we are harming them. We are harming right. them, we're harming their families, we're by this all this other stuff. And that should be part of the motivation for us to to not get overwhelmed by these problems, but to fix it. And and something I would encourage you, I absolutely encourage people to take their kid out because the the philosophies yeah. that are being taught your kids are dangerous and do not think that your kid right. is above it. Your kid wants to be popular. Your kid is trying to develop and trying to, you know, there's so much pressure on kids. However, yes. Sheila, as you do that, don't abandon your public schools and still pay attention. You're still a taxpayer. You still have a voice. Yes. And public schools are right. inevitable. There's a lot of people who can't take their kid out of public school. They can't afford it or they're a single parent or there's a multiple reasons right. why it just won't work. Right. right. This is we need to I would encourage people to homeschool or take your kid out if you can. But even if you do that, don't disengage from the public system. The public schools are inevitable. They will be here forever. And we owe it forever, to right. all of the kids in our communities that they get an education. Uh, and we absolutely. we yeah, could do better. Right. There's a lot of things. There's school choice. There's a lot of stuff. You see this competition in this article from the LA Times of Porter Ranch and Chatsworth and the competition that you see there. Wouldn't it be great if right. both schools were doing really well and parents were debating yeah. in a positive way which kid which there's no reason we can't do that except for we have the wrong agendas and the wrong people in leadership with Correct. all of that. Well, I, I, for us right now, we're Armenian, but for us, the way we're raising our kids is a, a lot of it we feel stems at home. So oh, yeah. how they treat people. Because yep. you can't – I'm not sending my kids to school to learn manners and, and ethics. I, I'm, te- I'm sending them because I want them to have a good education, and I'm not a teacher. 
But the rest of it, being respectful, being kind, that part comes from home. Yeah. That part we have no issues with. But there's discipline at home. And there's right. consequences. And that's and part not. of the uh, – and we're running out of time here, Sheila. I appreciate your okay. call very much. And that, that's also part of the problem. And I know a lot of you who are in the public school system and you're a teacher, or whatever. you're also saying, yeah, these kids learn – they have no discipline at home. How am I going to discipline them in the classroom? Absolutely true. We have societal breakdown at every level, okay? But this is why responsible people need to step up. And we can help other parents be responsible. There are ways to do this. But taking the decisions for your kid away – from the parents, which is the drive for so many things, so that you don't even know what's going on, is the wrong approach at every level. Um, Ted, I got you for just a few seconds. Uh, Ted, City of Angels. Yes, sir, uh, Pastor Scott. Basically, they've lowered the bar so far that a chihuahua can jump over it, (laughs) and it's just sad. And my dad said that uh, I was telling him stuff I was learning at Venice High School, and we're talking 40 years ago. And he said, Ted, I learned that in grade school. And he was from northern Minnesota. He said that he was not impressed with California education at all. And you're also letting the inmates run everything. These kids are intimidated by other kids that will intimidate them. You know, it's all anti-American, so they they figure bicycle. I appreciate that, Ted. We're about out of time. You know, what I would say is we can turn it around. It's not going to happen overnight, but we should not disengage. We should say, yeah, this is a problem. I heard, uh, Ted, that uh, somebody said this, that we put a man on the moon with an eighth grade education, average eighth grade education is what we did. That's pretty impressive. We'll be right back with Hour 2 for the Pastor Scott Show. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.